Welcome to Lessons in Life and Love with Rihanna Milne, where we show you how to have the positive mindset for success in all life areas so you can grow beyond difficult transitions and evolve from those challenging moments that may have influenced your past but will not define your future. It's time to have the life you desire and the love you deserve as we teach you the exact skills needed to attract and keep a lasting, emotionally healthy and conscious relationship. Now, please welcome your host, certified life dating and relationship coach, trauma professional, and best-selling author, Rihanna Milne. Hello, everyone. Welcome to show 43 on season two of the Lessons in Life and Love podcast. I am your host and life and love coach, Rihanna Milne. I'm all about helping you transform your life in all areas so that you can create that life that you desire and attract the love that you deserve. I'm on a mad mission to change the way the world loves. So let's dive in, love angels and transformers. Today, our show features Dr. Chris Michaels, who will be talking to you about the spiritual concept of science of mind. I'd like to welcome to the show, Dr. Chris Michaels. Hi, Chris. How are you? Well, good to that- see you. Good to see you. Thank you so much for agreeing to come on the show. Let me give you a bio of this wonderful man that I'm so glad has agreed to come and share his thoughts with you. He is a spiritual leader at the Center of Spiritual Living in Fort Lauderdale, a place I've recently found three weeks ago and have really treasured my time of worship there and loved his message and was compelled to ask him to come and speak with all of you. Dr. Chris Michaels is a husband, executive coach, national speaker, entrepreneur, and author of the book, The Power of You. It received a silver medal in the Nautilus Awards, which is an organization that recognizes world-changing books and it is available on Amazon. For 30 years, Chris has inspired, empowered, and educated others to find their true calling. His entrepreneurial spirit led him to create successful programs such as Turning Obstacles into Opportunities, Value-Driven Leadership, Start a Movement, Not Just a Business, and The Life Purpose Project. Chris is also a highly sought-after keynote speaker, having over 1,000 engagements at various conferences and events around the world. He speaks globally on entrepreneurship, mindfulness, and living an authentic life. When not building programs, writing, or speaking, Chris then leading spiritual tours to Bali, Thailand, and Europe. We were talking right before the recording about, I was in Bali in December, but I would love to go on a spiritual retreat with Dr. Chris and the rest of the gang. Uh, I hope to be able to do that with him next time. It's one of my favorite things to do in the whole world is to take people to a place they've never been before and so that they can experience the presence of spirit in a new and unique way in a different culture. I love that. So Chris, tell my listeners, please, what started you on your spiritual journey? I started my spiritual journey, I think, the same way that everybody does or most people do. You know, they say that you're either moved by your vision of what your life can be like, of something you want to happen in your life, or you're moved by your pain of the way it has been. I was moved by the pain of how my life had been. I was a young man. I was in my early 20s, and I just reached the end of the capacity to create life in a good and well manner, and I was very unhappy, and nothing was working. 
I mean, my relationships were failing. I didn't really have much of a career that I had any passion for. I didn't have any money. My friends were all negative. I was full of self-shame, self-doubt, self-hatred. And I really just came to the end of that and said, you know, if I can't find some way to live my life successfully in a way that brings me joy and ease and peace, then I really need to find a way to get out of this life. And just said, it's got to get better from here. Uh, I call that the Popeye moment. You remember the Popeye cartoons? Yes. He gets beat up by Brutus all the time, and he's beat up and beat up and beat up, and all of a sudden he says, I've had all I can stand, and I can't stand no more. I love that correlation. That's very true. What brought me to spirituality was in my teens when my very best childhood friend was killed by a drunk driver, and he was in intensive care for a while. And I'm like, Michael will pull through. And I thought for certain he would. And when I lost him, it really shook me up. I was only 16. And I'm like, oh my gosh, what do I want to do with my life? How much time do I have? I really got very deep and started spiritual reading at that time. And I was a teenager. I was also modeling back then. I was an athlete. So it was something I did very private. And then in my 20s, I came across A Course of Miracles. At the same time, I'm listening to Tony Robbins and Wayne Dyer, the Dalai Lama, Deepak Chopra, right. and really dove deep into The Course of Miracles, which I loved and studied on a weekly basis. So spirituality was kind of a private thing for me for a long time. And then when I was going through difficult transformations in my 20s as a young mom, getting out of a toxic marriage, I really pulled on that strength of faith to get through and create the life that I really desired. And it's like, nobody's going to hold me back. I was very determined to have that life that I wanted. Good for you. That determination <laughs> is what drives you. Yes, true. So tell the listeners, what is the basic principles of science of mind? Well, let's see. Science of mind is based upon the teachings of Ernest Holmes, who was a 20th century philosopher. And he studied all the world's religions and was seeking to pluck out that thread of truth that runs through them all. He said, we don't need any more doctrine. We don't need any more dogma. We don't need all the ritual and all that stuff. We need to find out what is true for one person and must also be true for all. So we're looking for universal truths. So the basics, the foundation of science of mind, even though it's called a new thought teaching, is really ancient wisdom. And the ancient wisdom of new thought basically says, and everyone can possibly agree with this, is what goes out comes back. Mm -hmm. What you put out comes back. Everything that you say, that you do, that you act, all actions are repeated and returned to you. It's called the boomerang law or the law of cause and effect, or in the East yeah. it's called the law of karma. And that basically says that how you are being to others is how you will be treated. That what you give to others will be given to you, but also here's the flip side of that. What you withhold from others will be withheld from you. So life becomes uh, an action of individual choice. And the basic principle is that how you think is creative, that our thought goes somewhere and returns to us as the thing we have thought, that our minds are the creative center of consciousness in the universe, and that we have the right, the authority, and the power to create life however we want to see it show up. Yeah, I love that. It is very uh, much the mindset work that I teach my clients who come from childhood wounds and love, abuse, or pain, that their mindset is what's going to get them out of that situation. Of course, learning some skills about dating and attracting emotionally healthy, conscious love, but they have to start with themselves. Loving themselves first is so important. And part of that is what I've heard you coach on and teach on already is about authenticity. Can you tell the listeners how to be more authentic and find the courage to be themselves? 
Well, I can tell you this coming back to the whole toxic relationship and crisis in love. It is a gargantuan chasm between self-hate and self-love. And I remember attending Louise Hay's seminars in the 80s and she was saying, you really do just have to love yourself. And I thought, well, how the hell am I going to do that? Because I don't even like myself. So for me to go from self-hatred and condemnation and shame to self-love was like walking across the Grand Canyon. I just couldn't make it. I couldn't do it. Uh So what I needed to do was take baby steps and to get to self-love. That was a journey that was too far ahead of me. I couldn't really find my way to. But I started to ask myself, what do I like about Chris Michaels? I mean, talking about authenticity, is there something that I like about him? Is there some way I like that he acts, the choices? What do you like about yourself? And I think that inward journey, that question, because all questions lead to the answers, mm-hmm. all wisdom is retained within you. So when you ask a question and you sit with that question, then you find an answer. And I moved from, you know, what do I like about Chris Michaels to then observing my behavior and patting myself on the back when I actually did something that I liked and did something that I approved of and parented myself back to that place where I accept Chris Michaels as he is and I like him. I like this guy. I like spending time with him. And then that took me into the self-love that then was able to attract into my life someone who had the capacity to love me as that authentic being. That's a great explanation. I have helped through the years as a psychotherapist. I've been doing that for 20 years, help young people come out as gay or lesbian to their families who are very rejecting. And it's like, this is your child. You know, this is your child you love no matter what. You shared your story the other day at the center, and I was very moved by that, the pain that some of our LGBT community has gone through just to be authentically themselves and just love who they are. And then I have other people, women coming out of abusive relationships who've been told for years, you're no good, you have no value. So I've always said the first thing is, and I love that you said the same thing, reparenting yourself that self-talk in your head, being gentle and kind and loving and giving yourself the affirmations when you feel like you're doing well or doing good. Do pull on the strengths that you already have within you to become bolder and bigger and take those risks and chances to live the life that you really desire. So I love that. Thank you. You're welcome. Now, I know forgiveness is such a big part of self-healing, not only forgiving ourselves and our images of ourselves, but also having to rewrite almost the stories of your parents and find the ability to forgive that or other people that have hurt you in some way. Can you speak a little bit on forgiveness? This was huge for me. This was huge for me because I grew up with a culture that said, you know, as a gay man, you are not acceptable to life. Mm -hmm. You have no real authority or place to live in the world. And so you are internally programmed with self-hatred, self-shame, which is why the LGBTQ community has high rates of addiction and high rates of self-abuse and that sort of, because we're programmed by the culture we live in that we're not accepted. And religion has done nothing but reinforce that. A lot of it. Yes, that's true. Forgiveness for me came from, I had to start all the way back with my dad, my father, who rejected me. So I had to spend some time figuring out what that relationship was about. And for me, I spent probably all the way up until my 30s being angry at him for not being the father that I think he should have been and for not accepting his son and you know being a close, I really wanted a father-son close relationship and I just didn't have it and it wasn't going to be there. 
And what I realized in my road to forgiveness, because it became a process that I designed for myself about myself, I said, let me understand this man more. I looked at his birth certificate and I realized that he was 27 years old when I was born. And I was well over that at the time. And he had three kids and was working in the oil fields of Oklahoma. And I thought, how in the hell could he have been conscious at 27 years old to raise three kids? I was over 30 and I could barely take care of my own affairs. <laughs> and so seeing where he came from, and I know his father didn't really want him. I started to not take it personally by saying he didn't reject me. He wasn't just emotionally unavailable to me. He was emotionally unavailable to everyone. Right. All of his kids, to his wife, to everyone. And it helped me really to understand and forgive him. And then something occurred to me, something that had never occurred to me before, because I thought, you know what? I was angry at him for not being the father I thought he needed to be. And it occurred to me, maybe I wasn't the son mm -hmm. he wanted. How powerful. And so I forgave him. And I just said, you know what? My dad did the best he could with what he had at the time. A miracle happened because this happened years after us not speaking. And I came to a place where I just said, you know, my dad did the best he could. That's and right. After not speaking to me for years, out of the blue, my dad called me and he said, son, I don't feel like I was a very good father. Mm -hmm. Wow. Did you respond? I said, dad, did you do the best you could? And he said, yes. And I said, knowing what you know now, would you have done things differently? And he said, I would have done everything differently. Mm. And I told him, I said, Dad, you know, your children are all adults and responsible for the quality of their own lives now. We create our own lives. And so yeah. you can let go of that. I said, I've forgiven everything. And I hope that you can forgive yourself. I don't know that he ever could. Ah, oh, it's so true. The research showed that childhood traumas goes through the generations. So part of the healing for my clients is that we really have to look at the reality of how did your parents grow up? What kind of nurturing did they have from their mother or father? Oh, I had a mother that couldn't say the words, I love you. I was fourth out of five kids. I never remember getting a compliment until years later when my books hit Barnes & Noble stores. And then she said, I'm taking your books all to the bridge parties that I go to to show all the ladies. My daughter's books are in the big bookstore. I'm like, oh, I didn't even know how to take a compliment from her at that time. It's like, that's nice, mom. She mellowed out in her older years. I remember asking her as the four children, I was the first that had her two grandchildren. And I asked her later, it's like, mom, why didn't you ever say the words, I love you to us? And she goes, well, those aren't words I ever heard, or we didn't use that. We grew up in the Great Depression. It was all about survival and working hard. There was no time for emotion. And I had to really try to put myself back into their space that she was all about survival. And my dad wasn't home much. I learned later he was FBI and CIA, which we didn't know. I just remember asking, when's daddy coming home? Here's this woman with five kids doing the best that she could, hanging on tight till her husband would walk in the door and she didn't even know where he was. So I had to equate that. Wow, no wonder she was often angry or depressed or critical. She just wasn't happy in her own life. And this was the lot that she bared, the five kids, you know. We have to really look into their life, their journey. What did they come from? And like you said, and it's so true that they did the best that they knew how or that they were taught. They probably improved a few steps from what they even had you know, growing up. I'm sure of it. I'm sure of it. You know, and, and to me, that is, that is the perspective that helps you heal, is the understanding that everybody is doing the very best they can with what they know at the time.
because we know we are. I'm doing the best I can with what I know. Right. That's and, true. And when, you can, when you can give that to others, they're doing the best they can. It helps you forgive. Yes. Yes. Now, as I said, most of my, my listeners have come from childhood trauma. So when they show up, there's a lot of anxiety, ongoing anxiety. There's bouts of depression. There's a lot of fear-based negative thinking. And the research shows childhood trauma impacts about 90% of us. It's just a lot of people don't realize it. They don't know that they're bringing forward these unconscious patterns and, and thoughts into their lives. So how can science of mind help calm these thoughts, the ruminating thoughts that keep going on in your head, which science shows eight out of 10 thoughts for most people are negative, and how at the same time can they increase positivity and the confident mindset for success in all life areas? So here's the thing. You are not the thought. You are the thinker thinking the thought. You are not the feeling. You are the feeler feeling the feeling. So imagine yourself laying on the grass outside on a summer day and you look up and the clouds are passing overhead. Mm -hmm. Those are your thoughts. They come and they go. They come and they go and the sun is behind them no matter how much. They still come and they go. You can select from those thoughts which ones to grab and to entertain and to hold true in your own life. Whichever thoughts you grab hold of, bring into your mind and your heart and entertain, become your experience. Mm. So if you have a negative thought, you can just say, well, there it is. There's a negative thought. That's not something I want. I don't want that. I'm not interested in that. Don't select it. You're the thinker thinking the thought. So don't define yourself. You're not a negative person because you have negative thoughts. You're a person. I always say we're not bad people. We're good people who sometimes make bad choices. Yeah. You know, it's the choices of which thoughts to entertain that form the belief system that causes your experience. So the question is, what thoughts are you entertaining, not what thoughts are you having? Mm -hmm. And you can break those patterns of negative thinking simply by shifting your attention, by looking at something different. The same way with your feelings. If you go, oh, I feel horrible today, then change your feeling. Go do something that brings you joy. Talk to someone on the phone, a friend that makes you giggle. Listen to music that makes your heart open. You have choices. You're an individual, and you can create your own experience by using your thoughts and feelings to create a life that then supports them. But it's your that. choice. That's right. That's right. I teach a process I call capping. So when that negative thought comes up, cap over it, a positive, affirmative correction to make that thought untrue. And I say to my clients, we always choose to live in the light or live in the dark. Similar to the Course of Miracles, you either choose love or you choose fear. Sure. So if it is a fear-based thought, that's living in the darkness. That's the unconscious or the uneducated place of being. If you're living in the light, this is where positivity, joy, bliss exists. And that positive mind can at any time correct and choose that negative thought or feeling. And that's very true what you had said, we get to choose. And I run them through this little pattern of, will this thought, word, action hurt me in any way, the person I love, my family or my children or extended family, or my reputation on my job or in the community? And if in doubt, go without. <laughs> Don't do it. Sit, think further. What can I do differently instead? So it's a very conscious way of being and thinking before you do an act. And then we put the positivity on it, which helps them really create that life that they want without hurting anyone else 
and yet empowering themselves to feel really good about their choices. And then their confidence keeps going up. I made myself a promise years ago that I would never take any action or never refuse to take any action based on fear. So if I was in a fearful space, I just stopped. It's mm -hmm. best not to act if right. your motivation is fear. So I just stopped until I could get myself in a place where I wasn't afraid and then I acted. I love that. That's good. Take the time, pause, meditate. Of course, my clients all know to meditate every day, 15 minutes every day. Right. Um, for the listeners, so they know that meditation is proven in science and quantum physics that it lessens anxiety, depression, cortisol levels, blood pressure, while it increases the dopamine and serotonin levels of the brain, which are your feel-good and happy chemicals. Physical benefits of meditation. Go into that, Chris. Well, you know, people always say, oh, I don't know how to meditate. It's so hard, and I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Am I supposed to sit in some pose and, you know, be really cool and, you know, have spiritual things around me? And I say, you know, you know how to sit, don't you? So I don't even ask people to meditate. I say, go sit. You know how to sit. Everybody knows how to sit. Spend your sitting time in silence and count your breaths if that's what you need to do. That will keep your mind focused. Just And if you lose track, I mean, because we have these monkey minds, this monkey chatter going on. So if yeah. you say, oh, I'm going to meditate, and then you start thinking about your grocery list or what you need to do later or what you want for lunch. And then you go back and you count your breaths. And some meditations, as you know, if you've done this for years, you'll come out of it and you'll go, that was useless. And my monkey mind just chattered. And then other meditations, like, oh, my God, I felt like it was one with the universe. I'm in bliss, you know. So what I tell people is it's cumulative and it's causative. So every meditation, regardless of your personal opinion, whether it was a great meditation or whether it was just monkey chatter, it accumulates in your consciousness. Mm. And it's causative. So the time spent in your meditation and your spiritual practice creates your life. It accumulates like money in a bank. When you view your meditation time, your sitting time, think of you're putting $100 in the bank every single time you do it. You're putting $100 in the bank every single time you sit because that is the value it will have to your life and it will return to you as positive, wonderful experiences. I love that. That's how I feel when I come into CSL. Now I drive down quite a ways. It takes me about a half hour or so, but that is worth it. It sets my mind, my energy, my positivity for the entire week. So since I've moved down here, I've been looking for that spiritual positive message that will light me up. And I finally found it. I was so excited. I'm so happy. Yeah. Now, also, I explain to my clients with meditation because I do have a lot of the negative ruminative thinking, and this might help the listeners. I have a four-step process. So the first step is to remember the number seven. Breathe deep seven times. Breathe into the count of seven into your nose counting in your head, holding it for a count of seven, then blowing it out your mouth for a count of seven. That's great. Step two is attitude of gratitude. Thank you, God, for all the things that I have. And list every little blessing that you do have starting your day with that positive remembrance of gratitude of what we do have. And then part B, 2B, is to ask for what you really want, clearly and specifically. And step three is visualization, like a scene inside your forehead is like this movie screen picturing the ideal life with all the details. And then step four is a question, God, what do you want me to know? Or dear divine or dear universe, what is it that you want me to know? Just listen to the messages that come up within you as your intuition, as you meditate more, your intuition gets sharper and you learn to have more trust and faith on your internal messages. 
that come up to you and through you. And that seems to work very well. And then because I have a little formula, there isn't much room for these grocery lists to come up. You know, it's more purpose-filled for 15 minutes and setting your day off with gratitude. They're doing a little bit of that process at the same time as getting the benefits from the meditation. Yeah, the funny thing is, you know, the, the whole concept of the relationship they've had with the universe is this ask and you should receive, knock and the door will be open, seek and you will find. It tells you the relationship you have. It's like everything you want is possible, but you have to go get it. You have to ask if you want to receive. Yes. So sitting in that question of what do you want to do? What is there for me to know? What is the highest possible good that could happen in my life right now? You will get your answer. But you will not get any answer unless you ask the question or you sit in the question of what is mine to do in the world? What is my purpose? What did you make me for? What am I to do this day? But all of those questions will be answered if you ask. If you ask. That's right. That's right. Yes. And people that are living a purpose-filled life are the most happiest because they feel they're giving back. They are creating this life and living the purpose, the reason that they're here. It brings you great joy and energy about life each day when you love what you do. You got to know why you're here. That's right. That's you got to right. start with the why. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Dr. Chris, as you know, my clients are from 16 to 86, <laughs> men, women, younger, older, male, female, straight LGBTQ clients, because childhood trauma has no prejudice, of course. Many come to me after enduring an abusive love relationship or partnership or marriage. So how would you help them find the courage to love again using the science of mind philosophy? You're talking about the people that are coming out of a toxic relationship or relationships ended that hurt or harmed them in some way. Yes. Yes, okay. correct. Well, take time to heal yourself. I think the worst possible thing you could do is jump into another relationship mm -hmm. because sure. you will attract to yourself exactly what you just had until you heal yourself. So I think the best thing to do is to create a wonderful relationship with yourself. And my questions to them would be, how are you treating yourself? You know, I used to have, my first new car was a 75 Camaro. My parents bought it for me when I graduated. That's a nice one. <laughs> I, want, yeah, I wish I had that car today. <laughs> yeah. I, I can tell you, I waxed that car every single week. I would not let anybody get in that car and smoke or eat or anything. I cleaned it inside out. And I did that because I loved that car. So my question is, how are you treating yourself? because we treat the things we love with extra special magical care. Yeah. So my advice would be go back to self-care and treat yourself well, because the loving and the nurturing and the compassion you show with yourself is cumulative and causative, and it will cause you to attract someone who actually has the capacity to participate in a relationship with you in a functional way. How about that? And somebody who's not accustomed to self-care, it's challenging. That is a huge challenge because you think, oh, you know, I don't deserve it. It's, it's selfish. It's all that. Self-care is not selfish. It's mm. self-compassion. Taking time to love yourself, taking time to forgive yourself for the stupid things you did in life, for the people that you hurt, for the things that you accepted. I think also processing the pain of allowing yourself to be treated poorly. Yeah, stand up for what you want and need, for sure. When people show up to spirituality, sometimes they come and there's a lot of tears. And it's very healing. 
because it's the tears of knowing they deserved better but allowed themselves to be treated less. And it's okay to process those tears and the loss of what you hoped that relationship could be because our full intention is to love in an honorable and well way. It's just work out that way. And we have to mourn that loss and go through those feelings before we can get to the other side of it, which is starting to care for yourself. I would say it's a process, it's a journey, but it's the best investment you can make in your future because all of our lives are built on relationships. There's really nothing else. Invest in yourself. I totally agree with you there too. Yes, anyone that comes to me, I said, stop dating for a while. Oh God, yes. You know, don't jump out there. Don't, oh, right away, they want to put themselves back on profiles and, you know, go out in the dating world. And I said, no, I want you to just focus on you. Mind, body, spirit, physical, diet, exercise, you know, massage, meditate, 15 minutes, start working just on you and bringing you new awareness and the dating skills that we never learned in high school or from our parents or not even in my triple master's in psychology. Did we learn that? It was only from my research and putting my books together. It's like, you need these skills and you need to really define what is it that you want in your life. And when you really know it in your heart and your soul, you won't settle for something that doesn't match that. And we have a saying, I'd rather be single than settle. Because you can certainly love yourself and love the people around you and build your friendships, the friendships you have. These are love relationships. It's not either family or partner. You know, your friends become your family. There's many different ways to give and receive love. Go volunteer, work with animals. They become love. It's not like you can't have love. It's not you only get that from going out to date. It's self-love, as you mentioned, and then taking care of yourself and feeling joyful about your life. And then love is just instantly attracted to you. Women have such a challenge in our culture for that, though, because you're so taught that you're not complete. Mm. That you're not complete as a person unless you have a man or a partner. Yeah. And, you know that that you know your life is incomplete. And quite frankly, I don't know that everyone is designed to be with a partner in life. There's nothing wrong with being single your whole life. I have friends that have been single their whole lives, and they don't want a relationship because they want to spend their time and their whole lives on their own affairs. So there's no right way to live. Our culture dictates that unless you're married, unless you're a partner, then mm. you're not successful and you're always going to be looking or searching for something. It's just not the case. That's true. That's so happy. true. And I tell people too, if you're building a business, you may choose to be single at that time. Choose it and be proud of that. No, I'm not dating at that time. I'm taking time for me. I'm taking time to grow a business. I just moved. I want time for myself. True, Chris. So many people say, oh, well, if I don't have a relationship, is something wrong with me? No, you're having a relationship with yourself and your environment, your world around you. There's always room for relationships, even if you're a single person. I remember a woman that I counseled years ago, and she talked about she had gained weight. And so she didn't feel comfortable being intimate with a man. This went on for years, and she had not had sexual relations with a man for 10 years. But she really wanted to get out there and have a relationship with her. And she says, I just feel uncomfortable taking my clothes off in front of a man. And I said to her, do you know that fat people are having sex right now? (laughs) Yeah, for real. Fat people are having sex right now all over the world. (laughs) So why should you 
withholding intimate relationships because you have 10 extra pounds or 20 or 30 extra pounds. You know, don't withhold love from your life because you think your body isn't perfect because nobody's body is perfect. Nobody's perfect. No way. I love that. Is there any last minute quote you want to leave with our listeners? Any word of inspiration before you tell us where they can find you and your books? You know, it's very, very simple. What you give to others will be given to you. What you withhold from others will be withheld from you. So give, give everything you've got to life. Give your attention to your best ideas. Give your heart to the people that you have the capacity to love. Give your resources to something that you can believe in that will make the world a better place. I think that we all hold a moral responsibility to lead the world better than we found it. Give your attention and your passion to something that you can believe in that you'll be proud of having spent your life doing. I love that. Thank you so much. And where can they find you? Where can they find your books? Where can they hear more of your wonderful words of wisdom? Easy to find Chris Michaels. Go to chrismichaels.net. .net and you okay. will my personal website information there. You can YouTube or Google Chris Michaels and you'll find that there's a wrestler named Chris Michaels and there's, <laughs> not, that's not me. <laughs> you can go to Amazon and buy my books. The Power of You is one of them. I wrote five books, Your Soul's Assignment and several journals. You can find me there. You can find me on audio and video podcast now at CSLFTL.org. That's Center for Spiritual Living, Fort Lauderdale, CSLFTL.org. And click on resources and you'll find an audio and video podcast every single week now. So I'm easy to find. Perfect. Again, thank you so much, Dr. Chris Michaels. I really enjoyed our chat and I will be seeing you on Sunday, of course. And again, thank you for taking the time to motivate so many people. You're truly a blessing to this world. Thank you so much. Wow. How powerful was that? Again, you love angels and transformers. You can also share the messages of love and joy and peace and encouragement every day of your life. And that way you're sharing the mission of changing the way the world loves. That is all we have time for today. Please click below to leave a five-star rating and a comment. Join us again every week, Fridays on LessonsInLifeAndLove.com for the general podcast website or get the app. It's free, Lessons of Life and Love on the go. And as always, I wish you to have the life you desire and the love that you deserve. Have a beautiful and blessed week. We want to thank you for joining us on this episode of Lessons in Life and Love with Coach Rihanna Milne. Your personal journey of life and love transformation has only just begun. Go to RihannaMilne.com for more resources. And if you're really ready to take action to improve your life or love situation, apply now for a Life and Love Transformation Discovery Session with Rihanna, a $500 value. Just contact Rihanna with your questions and to tell her your story at RihannaMilne.com. And remember, it's time to have the life you desire and the love you deserve.